This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Thursday, 10th of November, 2022, and we have some uh, some chaos hitting the markets from an uh, unanticipated angle in recent days, and it's gotten uh, bad enough to it's affecting the broader market as well, and that is in the crypto market. And we'll get into the specifics there, but I think this, together with these mounting cases of COVID in China, once again, and in some key areas like Beijing and Guangzhou, uh, hitting market confidence once again overnight as we have this whole you know, fervent hope that we'll see a China opening up story emerge, and, and that's going to save the day at some point for markets. But in any case, so we had a, an ugly session in the U.S. S&P 500 uh, falling quite a bit yesterday, and uh, we're looking at that pivot low around the 3,700 uh, or just above area as the first one. And then the uh, the bigger breakdown level, if you look on slide two of our slide deck today, perhaps the 61.8% retracement towards uh, 3,665. But uh, it was a very broad-based and, and, and quite ugly session, Peter. I, I think you'll agree. And... Uh, yeah, it, it, we're seeing also things like uh, uh, liquidity concerns. So treasuries actually uh, yields going lower and the market not celebrating that. We'll also get a, a bit more into that. And that was one of the key things uh, you know, I suggested we might look for is a decorrelation in those markets and then the dollar rising. But I'm, I'm going on too long. So what, what's your take on, on what's going on here? No, I think the decorrelation uh, argument is interesting. And you also see on the slide two and uh, across the theme baskets, one day performance you see with a very slight change in interest rates, you have a big move uh, down uh, across payments, energy storage, gaming, e-commerce, and bubble stocks. And that, of course, is tied to what's happening in crypto. You have the uh, the FTX exchange uh, deal with Binance being uh, canceled. Binance uh, doesn't want to take over the company, and that is leaving a huge hole. FTX exchange is saying that you know they are they're bankrupt uh, in the case that they're not getting a capital. And then you had the same time you had a press release from Squire Capital, the uh, the famous uh, venture capital firm in, uh, in in California, saying that they have written down their investments to zero. That's uh, I think language or lingo for uh, we're not going to supply any capital to show up this thing. So. Um, it, there's just absolutely chaos, uh, liquidity, margin calls in crypto, uh, in the crypto market. You have uh, Vietnam down, Vietnamese equities down 5% in today's session, also margin calls there. Um, and you have this bubble stocks uh, and the likes I just mentioned, theme basket being down. I mean, it, it, it to me, it tells you that there, in terms of risk, if you think the entire market as a, a network structure, clusters of different uh, pockets of things that are connected, uh, there is a huge overlap between crypto investments and then these bubble stocks, e-commerce and gaming. They represent the same the same type of investors, the same belief in, in growth at all costs. Uh, the whole paradigm uh, that we have seen over the past uh, five years, and it's just unraveling big time. I saw, I saw also, John, that the ARK Innovation ETF, uh, the Cathy Wood Fund, hit uh, an all-time low yesterday. It's now below uh where where, uh, where where the fund was uh, five five years ago so um it, it's getting pretty dramatic out there and i really i want to emphasize it's not that we should it's not it's not our job i think in the podcast to sound uh, doom and gloomy there there are of course also opportunities but it it is time for for caution so don't don't be too aggressive think about your exposures don't apply too much uh, leverage here it's uh, you you really need to take these different events uh, and sequences of events in the market as a lot of canaries in the in the coal mine 
Yeah, and you've talked about the cluster of speculation and, and Tesla and crypto and that network effect. If you're getting a margin call in one area, you're liquidating another, as you say. So you're seeing something like Tesla as well, uh, aggressively uh, trading lower. There are also some specific stories around that, of course, the the catastrophe of the, of the Twitter takeover from uh, Elon Musk's personal point of view in, in terms of his finances. So it's a very interesting uh, network effects all through that space. And just wanted to actually going to skip ahead a little bit because I want to get back to your uh, equity valuation uh, thoughts. You did a big uh, study on that. Um, but just on slide four, looking at the um, the overall market cap in, in the crypto space, we're actually not quite towards uh, the, we're towards lows, but we haven't hit a new low. Uh, but we've wiped out something like $100 billion, uh in market cap from the crypto space. And I'm noting there on, on the slide there, the, the, the level of volume is quite large. Uh, even relative to the bigger, even bigger slide. And this is a log adjusted uh, a chart here on the left from coin market cap. Um, so that's picking up. It is a big risk. And and of course, if this uh, if this gets stemmed here, there's talk about 8 billion needed to shore up this uh, whole FTX.com exchange uh, and uh, the pulling of the deal from uh, from Binance to take over that exchange, which seemed to maybe provided some, some uh, stability, which was suddenly not there again yesterday. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens here. But of course, uh, if it stops here, then then this ceases to be a story. But if it worsens and you have margin calls, uh, you know, triggering the next margin calls and contagion, it could continue to work into the entire uh, intermarket uh, uh, contagion effects. And I pulled out that JP Morgan uh, headline uh, analysts say Bitcoin floor around thirteen thousand dollars. I don't know how on earth they can be so specific, but <laughs> that's what they're putting up there. Uh, and I just want to point out something like you know this um, uh, this micro strategy. You know, company with its uh, purchase of Bitcoin, et cetera. It's just I, I find it interesting that it's down on the order of uh, 50 plus percent when the Bitcoin price, which must much of its holdings are based on, is only down around 30 percent. So, you know, leverage can creep in from all kinds of uh, angles, as you uh, as you discussed, Peter. But let's uh, let's change topics a little bit because we have uh, you know over the last months talked about this positive correlation between bonds and stocks uh, and the impacts onto valuation of this rise in uh, yields. That naturally is a challenge for for equities, which are very long duration assets. Uh, so I think you've sort of taken stock of you know the relative uh, the relative equity risk premium uh, versus of equities. Uh, sorry, the equity risk premium versus treasuries, and we're at a very interesting space and in, in, in or place I would say over the longer terms, and that's what you're pointing out here on on slide three. Yeah, because we we're down twenty percent from the from the highs in the S and P five hundred. Um... Most of that has not been uh, due to repricing of, of earnings. So, in other words, the probability of recession is 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 very is very uh, low, um, judged from the equity market. So that you know it is has been a repricing due to high discount rates and high interest rates, and um, and that's also why this uh, yield premium. So you you're taking the inverse of the PE ratio, and then you uh, then you subtract the U.S. ten-year yield. So the collapse you're seeing in that in that spread there has been that. You know, you have had a, a slight contraction uh, in the P ratio relative to an enormous rise in the U.S. 10-year yield to the extent that this spread is now uh, half of the historical average of 2.6%. We are at 1.3 percentage point now on the spread, and we're down to the lows we had before going into the financial crisis. And if you look at this chart, what you immediately see is that this spread widens dramatically when you have a deterioration in the economy or, uh, or you know, market sentiment. Um and of course, you have two variables at play here because you you you, you create a spread. So it can happen in it can happen for for two reasons. Either you know equities are you know slightly lower here, but and and treasuries are massively bid as a safe haven. 
and then this spread will come out again. Could also be that you know treasuries stay put, and then you have a, a massive contraction in the PE ratio, and this uh, spread will normalize and reflect. And I think the the piece I did yesterday, you can see it. I, I said that if, uh, investors should not wish for an average equity market because the scary thing is that if you expect the U.S. equity market to move the net profit margin back to the historical average, this uh, risk premium back to its historical average and revenue growth back to its historical average over the next five quarters. You're looking at a, an S&P that should trade anywhere between you know 2,800 and 3,200. So I think the it's the dynamic I've tried to explain here in the podcast so many times that the first wave was the, although it was painful, it was the most predictable and easy one. And now the tough one gets going because we have this margin compression dynamic uh, inflation, rate pressures. And um, if I'm, uh, I'm just sketching out a lot of scenarios in that piece. And I, I really think that it's something to be aware of. Where I mean, if you have an equity portfolio, am I very exposed to the industries where you see or could see the biggest margin compression? I I, I have some thoughts on that in the on the note itself. So you, you go in on analysis.saxa and find my, my note from yesterday. That, that there you can see all the, um, all the graphics of what I'm talking about. Right. If I remember to, I'll put the uh, link in the podcast description uh, as well, so we can follow that more quickly uh, to to that uh, piece. All right. In the FX space, so it's interesting with the um, with U.S. Treasuries uh, suddenly a, a bit of a safe haven here, and we saw a bit ironically we saw a very weak uh, U.S. ten year auction yesterday, suggesting maybe some weak liquidity in the U.S. Treasury space. Nonetheless, U.S. Treasury yields have come back in lower here, and I think given what equities are doing. And the pressure on liquidity from this whole crypto situation, it is very interesting to see that, that bond stock correlation moving the opposite way and, and basically into negative, at least, you know, even if it's a, if only a 48 hour time horizon. And could that persist today? And what does that mean in terms of today's U.S. CPI release? I think it's very interesting. But in the case of FX, it has meant a stronger dollar. And I think that's the most interesting signal. So lower U.S. yields and yet the dollar is stronger. That is because of liquidity. And that's what I emphasized in my FX update yesterday, that I wasn't willing to just uh, go all in on the idea that because we may have reached Fed, uh, peak Fed expectations for now that the dollar is set to roll over because we may only reach those peak Fed expectations because there's something that could be amiss in risk sentiment and liquidity concerns as we start to price in a recession. And, and that's sort of what's playing out here. So we need to see, of course, the bigger test over today's CPI and have some, some thoughts on that when I go to the macro calendar roundup. But also want to point out, so we've seen the dollar rebound. We're back towards a parity and even slightly below at times this morning. And euro dollar, much bigger hits to the, the typically more risk correlated currencies like uh, Aussie and, and uh, Kiwi versus the dollar, et cetera. Uh, but um, on, on slide five, you can see that the various strength readings uh, in FX still notice, noting that weak uh, renminbi. And the strong uh, precious metals move, which, you know, it's it's been sort of fading a little bit. Uh, but does that reverse outright? I think that'll be a very interesting if it does that, despite uh, U.S. Treasury yields going sideways, that would be a very weak sign there. But uh, for now, we've had a, a nice little uh, rally, and we need to see whether that follows through or not. And the, the next test there will be the CPI release as well. Also note the safe haven seeking in the Swiss franc, which has performed very well in momentum terms over the last couple of days. Whereas sterling, as I point out in the chart there, in terms of euro sterling, very weak. I think it's the accumulation of the impression of what's going to happen next week with this autumn budget statement and the, the scale of austerity and, and tax rises, it's just, you're heading for an ugly recession in the UK. Uh, there's no there's no way around that. And fiscal austerity is currency negative. Uh, we saw the UK uh, Rick's house price balance that I uh, previewed a little bit yesterday. 
it was expected to go from a plus 30%. So basically it's a balance of how many are seeing rising versus falling house prices. It got to record highs uh, in the in the months around the pandemic stimulus and thereafter, and was still above 50%, which was a historically massively high level as recently as a few months ago. Uh, fell to 30% in September, was expected it, I think it was 17 or 19% yesterday, but posted minus 2%. Uh, the staggering pace of the drop of that has just not been seen before, and I think we can expect some very deeply negative readings, and that's going to compound the uh, the confidence levels and concerns there. Also, as people rolling into these more expensive uh, mortgage rates. So, uh, yeah, uh, knives out for sterling at the moment, but uh, I would say it needs to follow through in terms of euro sterling through the 88 plus uh, 88.75 area uh, to, to really indicate that uh, uh, things are deteriorating even further here. In relative terms, uh, beyond whatever's going on in the dollar. All right, back to the equity market, uh, Peter. We have uh, a, a few um, equities you've pulled out to focus on here on uh, slide six. Yeah, it's. Um, I think the the key the key stock to watch as well today is Tesla. We highlighted it yesterday. It's almost getting boring to mention the same company, but it's so important for the for the uh, for the risk uh, clustering and and the cascading effects that we're seeing in liquidity. Um, also because I think, as we talked about, Tesla represent the, the risk cluster that's driving marginal pricing and sentiment. And, and you can see here, we closed yesterday 7% lower. And we've taken out those um, you know support areas from um, from little over uh, one and a half years ago. Um, and uh, I think there is a highway all the way down to 150. And then and then you'll begin to get into levels that we we had uh, prior to the big rally back in, in late 2020. So um a lot of things going on, and then then you, we didn't mention John, but also Biden had comments uh, yesterday that apparently he he says that Elon Musk's relationship with foreign nations might be a national security issue, and we will look into it. Um, I just think that the whole the whole persona around uh, Elon Musk and his uh, SpaceX hemorrhaging cash, Twitter hemorrhaging cash right now for different reasons, of course. And then Tesla being this collateral, this uh, honeypot that he can tap into, and he sold $4 billion uh, recently, um, I think, and he is involved in the crypto industry as well. Um, I just really have a bad a bad feeling here um, in terms of how this uh, could develop in a very matter of short time. But um, And then, as I mentioned, we have Vietnam down 5% today, margin calls and worsening liquidity conditions. And then two single stock stories, uh, Helion uh, in Europe, um, hiking their organic revenue growth rate due to high demand for flu and cold drugs or shots, if you will, for the winter season upcoming here. And then Allianz, uh, best third quarter result ever in the company's history, in the insurance history. And um, they are announcing a 1 billion euro shares buyback program. So um, a couple of different news there to watch in the equity in the equity market today. And uh, if we move uh, beyond slide six uh, to slide seven, the two key earnings to watch today, ArcelorMittal, uh, which is one of the, is the largest steel maker here in Europe, and then Neo, um, you can see Nero um, have recently suggested that there are a lot of uh, factory issues in China uh, because of these rising COVID cases. That's also the case for Apple, their biggest factory, Foxconn's biggest factory is, is right now located in a very, uh, very high risk area in terms of uh, developing cases. So um I'm just very curious to see what Neo says about the the electric vehicle market in China, what they see in terms of the outlook, because it is the most important market for Tesla. So, um, if Neo surprises to the downside, that could be a, a risk as well that um, that gets priced into to Tesla. And then, yeah, we'll talk tomorrow. I will I'll bring some comments on the Ashlong Metal. I think steel 
um, is always a, a, an interesting macro um, a macro variable to look at. Okay. And uh, up today, we had what was meant to be the big event risk of the week. And, and I'm concerned, not, I'm not concerned, but I'm suspecting that the market may have changed horses here. So we may oddly see this October CPI release uh, not seeing the uh, the focus that it otherwise would have gotten because the, the narrative has shifted away from the whole Fed peak expectations to these uh, new liquidity concerns. But of course, we need to test the market today over the CPI release. It's expected to, again, to pull back a little bit from the uh, at the core relative to the uh, the high for the cycle reading in September, 6.5% for the year on year. Uh, the, I've been looking around. There's there's an inflation guru named uh, Omair Sharif, um, who's uh, runs, uh, I think it's called Inflation Insights. Uh, I've seen a couple of quotes from him and, and talking about an interesting input into the whole CPI calculation being this whole medical services segment and how difficult it is to gather that data and the fact that it's only put in there once a year or updated once a year. And that uh, this could actually, because this is the month where a key month rolls into view on that year on your comparison, lead to a, a soft surprise. But of course, if if the, the smart money knows all of this, then maybe the, the number has to be even softer to surprise considerably. And then on top of that, we have the whole narrative shift potential that, that the market doesn't care anyway, because we've moved on to uh, to bigger fish to fry and more urgent fish to fry, if you will, uh, for this market. So, yeah. Uh, and of course, a hot number would be uh, would be uncomfortable for this market in, in any case. But uh, I lean for a slightly soft number based on, on what I've uh, been pouring over recently. Claims also up to date. A couple of uh, Fed speakers were tired of hearing from them. A 30-year auction, quite interesting with that. That's the maximum length uh, or maturity you can get in the U.S. Treasury market. It, there's an auction today on that after the very week. Uh, bidding metrics on the 10-year yesterday, just for perspective, uh, near the lowest in the last many years. There were a couple that were lower in 2019, but that's uh, a sign of poor liquidity, even in the world's safest and most liquid uh, market. So uh, this is, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty dodgy stuff out there, and we'll have to see how this uh, all uh, hits the market as well as the next you know, margin call or this or that from the crypto market, which is very difficult to anticipate. I mean, just overnight, we've seen the pulling of this uh, attempted takeover or bid, at least for the FTX.com. And, and the guy saying there's an $8 billion hole that needs to be filled. So this is uh, big money and there can be contagion effects, of course, across markets that we'll have to consider here. And that light, so yeah, helmets on uh, out there, folks. Uh, be careful. And we'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.